0: Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Bite Size podcast. I'm your host Clayton at Clayton's AFC, joined by my co-host at FPL Nima, where we were finally sat together uh, at the Arsenal on Saturday to watch Arsenal absolutely fucking wallop Newcastle 4-1. How you doing?
1: Yeah, good, man. I'm still elated from the experience. Um, I haven't seen a first half like that, I don't think, from Arsenal Live ever. It, it was yeah. just... something else yeah yeah like like i was there for the champions league game where we were four five up half time and i still felt this half was even more dominant than that i think that was just more clinical whereas this first half was like i've never seen a team look so like done and over like honestly 10 minutes 20 minutes in i was like game's over it's game over it's done
0: yeah (laughs) it was so good like and i think just the general day like i think being an eight o'clock kickoff like you could tell the club really wanted the atmosphere to be top quality because the stuff they did pre-match, like they put on the buy one, get one free on the beers uh, in the stadium. Like, yeah, the whole day was just set up to be like a bit of a, I don't know, just an enjoyable night. Like just, I think loads of people were day drinking. I reckon a lot of people were plastered by kickoff. I prefer not to speak about myself, but, (laughs) 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 Um, but it was just such a fun day. And uh, I, as many of you will know, I fucking hate Newcastle. Um, I think since they've come into their investment money, the entitlement I see from some of their fan base. And I think since obviously, like, f- do you know what? I'll give them credit with like how they've gone about their strategy since they've come into their money. I think it's smart and I respect that, but I will never have respect for how they have arrived at the point of where they're getting their money from. And the entitlement I see from some of their fans, like they've not won a trophy for 60 years, but the way they run their mouths, it blows my mind. And uh, yeah, I think especially because the last couple of years, they've like really tried to kind of force this rivalry with us as well. So like this one, hit hit nicely. I was like, back in your fucking box, man.
1: Yeah, no, I think um, especially after just even this season, like I know, we've, as you say, they are tried to pull the rivalry over the last few years, but even just this season, right, the earlier leg where, it felt like we were quite hard done by and, you know, we, you know, there was no angles. If the ball was out of play, it probably was. There was the kind of the incident with the foul on uh, Gabriel which yeah. for the goal. There was the offside within it. Like there were just so many elements of that where we were told to just, you know, accept the referee's decision and get on with it. Literally.
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: like, it, it's just nice to kind of come back here and then see Bruno Guimarães He just looked like he got bullied, like, I honestly was watching and it just looked like they were on top of him. Like the moment yeah. he got the ball, I just see people initiate Sweet. the press. Like yeah. they were just, yeah, like like he was not given an opportunity to go anything. Um, and, you know, c- considering just how much of a pain he's been to us over the years, a player that maybe we would have wanted to have signed years ago when Newcastle yeah. got him. And um, yeah, it just always felt, I think that was a period where I felt quite disappointed that it felt like Newcastle were being very ambitious, going and buying the likes of him and act both players i would have liked yeah and yet here we were with a very thin bench and you know essentially looked like we kind of it was were fine though. like yeah. yeah like it was totally fine Like we we didn't even like when you think that team played like that and it still has the likes of jesus party timber there's first team <laughs> level quality that's not there yet it's scary yeah like five six seven players maybe who could still have quite something to say towards the end of this march to may run in now but yeah february's ended unbelievably well obviously and all wins you would imagine you know i can't see how arteta wouldn't get manager of the month so it it just feels like a clean sweep like this is you know we've started february the way we want there aren't many league games in march but we need to keep up this momentum you know obviously focus on the porto leg at home and to just kind of onto bigger things, I feel like yeah, this is it. We're just beginning. This is it. This 100%. is the running. And what I saw made me feel that we're less likely to drop points than certain teams. I would say just same from what I saw. You know, like it was unreal. Like if we can carry on yeah. like that
0: and not lose the steam, then wow. And uh, obviously, this was your first game in the flesh since was it the Lens game? Your last one. Um, I think so, yeah. It must have been so the what was your, group stage. What was your day like then? Go on, give the listeners a bit of a... Yeah, no, it was on day. Because I think everyone knows obviously... I like to just get plastered. But... <laughs> well, obviously, like an 8pm kickoff
1: in the UK on a Saturday is pretty rare anyway. So, like, for me, that was just under the floodlights. I was so excited by the thought of it. I arrived, like, just as kickoff was happening, actually. So, as soon as I walked in, we started singing, obviously, North London forever. And it just, it felt different to any of the other times I've been there okay. when we sung that song like immediately i felt like the whole stadium was up for it and as you said people were in a really good mood like a jovial mood like uh before that i was in the tollington arms so i, I popped in there uh, for a couple of drinks and again it was packed out like people were singing before we even left for the stadium um it just everything felt like a party carnival yeah. kind of atmosphere like everyone was in the best of moods everyone was chatting to each other it just even when we were, like, celebrating the goals, I think there was a the woman sitting on our side. Like, I was chatting to her and celebrating with her as well. And, like, yeah. everyone was just having the best time. And I just knew instantly from the moment that, you know, North London Forever started being sung, I just could tell that the energy was electric. And, you know, there was just songs for every player throughout. Like, yeah. even The, the Gabriel first half one. We, yeah, like, before we even went ahead, there was the new Gabriel Maglish song, you know, King of Brazil. There was... Uh, there's do 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 saliba there <laughs> it was cracks me um... up
0: when you sing that
1: <laughs> oh yeah because yeah, i don't do the proper cheat i just say do 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 <laughs> do do do, do, do saliba but um yeah no it was honestly it was one of the best uh, match days. the only experience i would say that came close to it was where we played um last season at the emirates in october i think it was october 1st and it was the north london derby ah, and yeah. i think it was conte's team as well at the time yeah, and it was the one, one where they got well. the red card, and we like just completely demolished them that day. So this was like, I compared this atmosphere to that, and when you think to yourself, wait a second, Newcastle lives three hundred miles away from us, how come the atmosphere was like the same level as the North London derby? And I think it is because of this forced kind
0: of rivalry over the last three, four seasons. Since uh, to be fair, like, I'll, I'll actually give Newcastle's fans, match going fans credit. Like, I do think they're a way end. And their general match going fan base are probably like one of the better uh fan bases in terms of noise and stuff but mm. yeah, but nah, nice. but yeah, yeah it was good. just
1: so good man it was so good like i nice. i wish for more nights like like that i'd like to think that if the emirates crowd can continue to put that same level of energy at a kind of minimum going forwards to the end of the season 12, I man. think every home game is like a win for us. Like with yeah. that kind of atmosphere, like I'm already thinking like Porto cannot survive that. Yeah. Like, that is crazy. I we'll hope see. we can continue to back them with the full energy going forwards.
0: Yeah. Nice one. Well, yeah. Let's uh, get into the game. But before we do that, just want to shout out a couple of the guys in the chat. Pontus Johansson. How you doing, mate? Hello, lads. Uh I may have accidentally given away his FPL rank because I tweeted mine. And uh I know he's seen it <laughs> and he he's near me in the bite-size league. I think he's above me by a few points. So uh sorry if I've given away your rank, mate. <laughs> uh blue the new Joe's in. Hey guys, how how you doing, mate? Uh Joe Linton and that Italian guy, big miss for Newcastle midfield. Yeah, really good point to be fair. Um, shouldn't be overlooked. But like everyone, we've got our own absentees as well, right? But um Let's uh do it. Like lineup came out, and uh, I think you called it on the preview. You said you thought Jorginho would come in, have it top top. Is that what you said?
1: Yeah, I think Trossard would drop out. I wasn't sure which of Trossard or Martinelli would drop out, but I thought it would be Trossard. Um,
0: yeah. So yeah, yeah somehow
1: so... I got it. I don't know how, but it might be one of the first 11s I've got right this season. You know, it's 26 <laughs> games.
0: <laughs> yeah, I um I was really torn like between. Because, yeah, like I said, I thought it was the kind of... I wish he played this team against Porto and the Porto team against Newcastle. Because even though we won 4-1, I think we still would, still would have beat Newcastle with the same team. But if we want to go through the eleven, were there any standout performers for you from this game?
1: Um. So I really enjoyed what I saw from um, Jorginho, to be honest, I think. Yeah. I think that was the big one for me. Um. I also really liked what I saw from David Raya. Cause it's been a while since I saw him live and it just felt like every time a ball came in I, I just expect him to deal with all of the um, catches like fine like come and claim the ball anywhere in the box and it felt like we were playing with another centre-back Like I just yeah. I just felt so calm like I think in previous parts of the season I always felt nervous and even when though last year whenever we give the ball back to the goalkeeper and they press him I always used to feel quite nervous but for some reason this was the first time when I sat there live watching Raya and it just felt so calm and assured and he just felt like he finally felt like I guess like he belongs yeah if that's the right way of looking at it like this
0: calendar calendar year there's definitely I think post Dubai there's been a big change in I don't think a change in his play style but in his like energy that he transmits and yeah I, I completely agree with you in terms of like it just looks like he belongs now which is really nice to see
1: And I think I have to shout out Kibior, actually, because he's someone who's essentially like, you know, we talk about all the kids and he's only 24 himself or whatever. And he's a young centre-back being played out of position, learning a new role. And, you know, obviously he had a tough games here and there, like where we've thrown him straight in, out of position. And then he's like obviously been at fault for goals in other matches. But... It just feels like now I actually genuinely question whether the other fullbacks will have to fight him for that spot-back because yeah. I know, you know, I know Zinchenko and Tom are amazing. We're going to need all these players for the run-in, of course, but it just feels like he's done a lot better than I I, I thought he'd just like do like an Eddie where he like covers for Jesus and then if Jesus yeah. is fit, like you do not see Eddie start. Now yeah. I think... Yakub is going to give actually question marks to the I thought he said Yakubu
0: though.
1: <laughs> Yakubu. No, yeah, Yeah. Yakub. So. Yeah. Yakub is. But yeah, I just, I just felt like, and I think it was for me, there's a photo or video at the end video where he's coming off the pitch and Arteta gives him the handshake and the embrace and the smi- the size of the smile on Arteta's face. I was like, I've seen this one before. Normally, when you get this reaction from Mikel, I see. You tweet, are at the top yeah. of the good books. Like yeah. you are there. Like you are you're near the teacher's that, pet yeah. territory. Like, like this is yeah. how he used to hang hang out with like Zaka, or this is how he deals with you know Odegaard. Like yeah. this is how he treats his captains. You know, this is how he speaks to Jorginho. So when he's treating yeah. Jacob like that, I'm like, oh shit, okay. You really Respect deserve it. your kudos, mate. Like <laughs> yeah.
0: I am, um, I just want to shout out uh Martinelli, actually. Like I know it's another game where he didn't return, but I thought he was really good and um, I actually I was quite disappointed in him <clears throat> against Porto um, and yeah, I thought this game he he was really, really good. It's a shame that like, again, you know I always talk about how people judge games on output and stuff and although I'm seeing on the graphic that he got an assist but my mind's gone blank. Well, oh, he assisted Havertz's goal, didn't he?
1: Yeah, so he assisted his yeah. second goal but uh, no, I thought he did look great as you say. Uh, he looks like back to his best and he's finding space but it's just that final kind of output the goal itself isn't quite coming yeah. from that often and I do think it's because of what he's being asked to do to be honest yeah
0: I think so I think it's just the way the team is playing right now like we're firing on all cylinders we, we don't rely on guy it would just be nice for him individually to just I think you can tell it's like getting to him a little bit because <clears throat> I think there was one header that he kind of hit over the bar and you can see he was a bit frustrated. And you can see he went mad when um, Havertz missed that chance. I was going to say, the, yeah. I see him like drop to the ground. Yeah, Havertz that. <laughs> yeah, Hab- so was another one though. Like I know other than that chance, which he should have done better, I just, I really like how he's playing at the minute. Even when he's combined, whether it's combining with Trossard, whether it's playing up top. As a starting position, I just really like what he's giving the team. And I think it's like what we saw against Liverpool, right? When him and Odegaard kind of press as two tens and the wet, like Havertz works really hard, which I think was all of our kind of concerns when we knew we were getting him. It's like, how oh, can he do the off the ball work? And hey, he's fucking phenomenal with all of that.
1: He's so good. I know people still say, obviously, like defensively, he doesn't have like what Xhaka did defensively. But we all wanted like an upgrade on the output, right? And we were insulting him for his output earlier in the year. Now, he's on par to have already kind of outdone any amount of goals Xhaka ever scored in a single season. I know he's not quite got the assist to go with it, but with, you know, third of the season to go and the kind of vein that he's reign and form that he's in now, feels like he's one of, I'll say his main players. And yeah, okay, yeah. maybe next season, you know, you could argue that should we buy a striker and a central midfielder, he becomes more of a strong squad option. But with his unique skill set and ability to be used to unlock certain teams, like how Jorginho is being used in certain matches, I think having him there is is—it's a huge strength to us. It's, it's not what everyone wanted. He's not a direct Jacker replacement. He won't bring all of that off-the-ball work, but he still does his own great stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: Equally, he just, he's a facilitator right like i feel like he brings out the best in those around him and it's because of like when you look at like say the last game i think it was the one against burnley was it was burnley i want to say what it was the last game before this burnley the premier league game uh i think it was yeah yes yeah, so i think it was that one where like when you looked at the goals like all five goals he had like he was just there in yeah. camera for like all of them like he was always that like, the pre assistor or the assister. like So I feel like just in terms of what he brings out and everyone else, he is there unlocking teams for us. Yeah. not Like there's a few chances like the one that he obviously missed that Martinelli it was a bit like, what the hell, you missed an open chance. But I think it just happens. And I, I've come to kind of love him a bit. Like I, I, I wasn't I, sure on him at first, but now I feel like he's an Arsenal man. I feel like he also like Raya feels at home and, Almost like they're both better, better of them is coming out now that they both feel more accepted.
0: Yeah, I said this when I did the solo Burnley review as well. Like that game was so comfortable that and as you saw on Saturday when we score, I go fucking ballistic. Like if anyone ever has a chance to sit next to me, I apologize in advance. Like I'm just like a you know how Saliba celebrates? Let me just say I'm like Saliba. <laughs> um then you, you, what I said you, a... you're like
1: standing before that like, the ball has hit the back of the net, like the ball crosses the line. And you're already screaming before anyone realises it's a goal. I've been
0: like that since a kid. I don't know what it is. I remember we went to, I took my little sister to a game when she must have been like seven and I was 11 or something. And I went mad. And she's got like bloody PTSD from that. She hates watching football because of like how, in her words, I was, how scary I was. I was like, oh, damn. But yeah, what I was going (laughs) to say though, was like that Burnley game, I felt so comfortable. And it was only Havertz's goal where I actually leapt up off my sofa. And I think there's something like, it's like I've got a real soft spot for him. I was really, I was disappointed with what I saw in periods in the first half of the season. But what I'm seeing now, like, I think he's a ve- he's got a very likable personality. I think because of how shy he comes across, it's like you really want him to do well.
1: Yeah, like I want um, him to. Like, I, I feel like I want him to succeed more than I've ever done for most sides. Like, I really yeah. wanted Pepe to succeed, but I never felt this closeness to Pepe. Yeah, and yeah, I Same. loved Pepe for years. Even despite all the shit that went down. Well, I just loved him for the run-ins, right? Like the cup wins. Yeah. He showed up at the end of the few seasons that we needed him. And then we never really... I always felt like, is it his fault or the managers? Because he then never really got the regular starts whenever new seasons began. So he'd always end seasons well and then not be played. Yeah. And then when he did play, there was one game where I finally realised time was time. And we were like on a counter and there was no one. And he could have run through on goal. And I don't know what the fuck he did at the halfway line, but he, like, kicked the ball in a random direction. I remember this so
0: And that clearly. moment was it for me. Yeah, that was yeah, when I was like,
1: that's it, I'm done.
0: I but remember, see, I still, was... I've still, i got Arteta's reaction in my head to that. I remember that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that was, but that's what I mean. So for years, I loved that guy and I was so patient with him. Yet for Kai, I almost started out, like, not as warm on him as I did with Pepe, because like, he obviously the Chelsea factor. But then... Now, it's been a much shorter period of time, and I love him a lot more than I think I ever loved Pepe. So he's someone who I really want to see succeed. And the reason is, I genuinely, I I know this might be a bit out there, but I said this before. This guy was a wonder kid at Leverkusen. Like He went to Chelsea at the time. We wanted him. Everyone wanted him. Well, there wasn't a team in World Football that didn't want him back then. And I know it's not quite worked out for him in the way we want, that he wants, perhaps but he's younger than fucking Eddie and Ketia, bro. Yeah, like people do not fathom that. Like we think of Eddie as a child. And then here we are talking about Kai, his junior is like, as if he needs to be all figured out and world class already. Like it's, it's a bit of a burden on the poor guy, but yeah. I'm honestly now starting to feel more and more happy with him being in this team. And I think, should we go on to win big things? He will be like he'll a be unique profile up. that we'll be using in certain games to get us there. Right. Like, He assisted the goal for Martinelli in the winner against City. Like, he's played a key part in a lot of these big games. And honestly, I hope he fucking smashes City and Porto in March. Like, I want to see like four or five more goals from Kai this season. Um,
0: Yeah. I feel like he's just getting started, honestly. What we'll do, we, uh, because I think we'll go through and do like the kind of match stats and cover the game that way. And then I think we'll kind of cover every player by doing it that way. But before we go on to that, just shout out Uncle Mike's in the chat. Morning, lads. Hope you're good, Uncle. And, uh, just wanted to include while we're on the kind of lineup section, what Pontus has said: Zinchenko and Party hoping to be in the squad for Sheffield United. According to, S- oh, I thought they said Scrollings, SR Collings. <laughs> I thought you meant like scrolling Twitter, but yeah, SR Collings is a good source, so uh, that's good. Yeah, that's a
1: major source. That's yeah. a proper proper source. Yeah, yeah.
0: onto the uh, the match stats. So we'll kind of do, go through the timeline of the game and the key events and stuff. But for the people on the podcast, as always, we use Mark our Stat's model. Um, which he tweets out. And the stats according to his model for this game were we had an XG of 2.29 to their 0.23, another fucking ridiculous defensive performance, uh, which I've got some slides on for later on. So we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, expected threat, 2.54 to 0.7. Possession, a bit more even, 55.3 to 44.7. And Phil tilt champions, 74.9 to 25.1. It was uh, another performance where the words suffocation and domination play a part in it it's it's not normal what we're doing I don't think
1: yeah I I I just don't know how we can do what we're doing like this is what I mean like I've been watching obviously City and Liverpool every week and City look unstoppable
0: too but they
1: seem inevitable I've I've
0: not been watching them as closely but the small periods I've watched them I don't think they look as well that's the thing so they don't look
1: as complete, say, like when you watch the game, but there's like an air of inevitability. So I feel like they allow more opportunities against them, but they always seem to find a way like whether it's a Rodri or an Ake. like they're almost like custom sense that anyone could score from anywhere, like, yeah, yeah. I know they have the goal machine in Harlan, but they also seem to just have this ability to find a win no matter like what you say, just I just inevitable. We're... Yeah, that's what it is. I think, whereas with Liverpool, I watch them, right? And with them, I actually feel less impressed. Not because of them. I actually think they're a better 11 than uh, City. I just think City have a better squad. I think, as an 11, like a fully fit 11, I highly rate that Liverpool 11. But they just feel like they've got so many injuries mounting up that I feel like they'd be quite fortunate in some of the points they've got. So I feel that unless they get more fortunate with these injuries, I, I just don't see like. Them getting through this like period. Have you seen their fixtures
0: though. Actually, let, yeah. let's, uh, We'll save that for. Yeah, the yeah end we'll look so at that for after. To, yeah, because that would be good to like contextualise where our heads are at in the title run. Yeah, because I'd be City, seeing Liverpool's. like the picture of all three
1: teams with like the remaining fixtures. Yeah. You know? Like I know, obviously, Liverpool and City play each other the week after next, so I'm really banking on that one. Like I need a draw there for both. Yeah, those let's drop touch points. on that later. But in terms we'll of touch this game, later. like yeah, it was but yeah. Just in terms of this so- game, I feel like we are the most well-rounded of the three. City feel like the most inevitable in terms of like, because they've got years of doing it and always finding a way that they just feel like they'll eventually do it. And Liverpool look good, but I feel out of the free. I know the fixtures and stuff might be better, but I, I do feel I that I they could drop off. That. I think we're the, we look strong. Like we're the yeah. best defence and we're a what, we're now one or two goals away from having scored the most goals in the league as well. So we're not far off. Like we're, it's we're up
0: coming there. together. And I just think like you look at the stats for every game and it's, comfortable 2xg team now and we're giving away like consistently i feel like 0.5 xg against as a maximum it's like we i can't remember the last time we've consecutively given away more than one xg and like there was that stat that was doing the rounds after burnley where it was like 1.67 xg in five or six games right it's not normal and i think
1: yeah this game as well
0: like it was just, I think it's another thing where like the own goal in the 18th minute probably affects the game state. But mm. I just always feel like you describe City as inevitable. I'm starting to get that feeling about us now. And yeah, anyway, in terms of like the timeline of the game, obviously, the first goal was, uh, did you, from where we were sat, did you think just Gabriel scored?
1: Yeah, I, I was convinced Gabriel scored. I know he didn't even get an assist out of it. So maybe it was just a pure own goal. I've not looked at that. Have you not seen the highlights? No, was it like a okay. proper just like, did it's we like
0: swing clear it in goal. and Botman just like smashes it? In? So, yeah, Sasaka so Saka obviously <laughs> took the corner. Gabriel, great header. <laughs> and then it was, I think, saved or blocked. And then as they were trying to clear it, it like bounced off Botman and then went in. So, uh, yeah, so it was, like was a like double deflection, like crystal clear own goal, unfortunately. But yeah, I think that just set us on our way. And then it's one of the cases where once this Arsenal team's 1 0 up, it's like, good luck, man. And, uh, you know what? The second goal, I think, is one of my favourites just because it's what Jorginho brings to the team in terms of that passing ability. Like, I thought it was a great run from Martinelli, that kind of, I think you've described it before as like a blindside run, right? And then kind of goes on the blindside of the defender, moves across the box. And this is what I thought Arsenal did so well, because we'll see in the next slide, like the passing networks and the positional shape. I actually thought structurally Newcastle were good, but it's just our rotation and fluidity between zones. They can't keep up with it. And you see it with Martinelli's run, the great ball from Trossard, and then Martinelli obviously puts the ball in nicely for Havertz, who his movement was really good and he slots in to make it 2-0. And I just, I love that goal. I think there's just something about, that is how we, I think, have, changed a little bit since Dubai like that there's more fluidity within the structure I think and that's yeah. what I loved about that second goal yeah no,
1: that when we saw that that was when I was talking about the atmosphere was different to what I've experienced because then the Kai Havert song was like going I think firstly it began before he even scored is the yeah. first crazy part so it was thinking about him scoring the goals before he did but once he scored wow like i've seen sometimes like off. in the emirates you know like they like a song will start in like a different uh, section let's say you're like in the north bank you hear it you're on the east stand it, it kind of slowly might die down by the time it gets to your part of the scene, right with the kai Havertz song he just kept starting like a new round over and over. like i was yeah. honestly getting into like the end of the first half and i was like all oh, right this song is still going like 20 minutes later like I've, I've just people were just this is what i meant about the festival mood like it just it was so great and it was so nice to see everyone so happy. I, this might be the first time I've been to the Emirates and I didn't hear anyone like, moan about anything. You know, normally yes. you hear like someone, somewhere shouting. There's always like, something. Fucking pass the ball or why do you fucking shoot like that? Or like, there's always someone moaning, right? Somewhere or insulting something. But everyone was just united and in a great mood. Like I've never seen anything like it. But no, Kai Havertz and I just want to add on the Martinelli bit, what you said. Yeah. So something, I, So I think Newcastle did have a good structure. What I saw that was a bit interesting was um, both Martinelli and Saka, it felt like they were finding times just like drifting into those half spaces. Um, And it kind of felt like they were trying to confuse Newcastle. So Newcastle would never really know where one of them was. So it's like, instead of being upset, how can you double up on someone, right? Or triple up on them if they're not in the position you thought they were. So I felt like even though Martinelli gets tasked with being so much on the wing these days, This game, it felt like both of them were like just coming in and out of the wing position. And it really, I think that's what threw Newcastle because they had a great structure. But then suddenly it's like, how do you double up when neither of them are where you thought they were? And like at the beginning of the game, there was a moment where one of the things I did hear someone shout in the background and they were right. It's as soon as Saka got the ball, there was that free man on him. And they were like, oh. Someone goes. He's doubled up on. He goes no, He's tripled up on. Right. Like, and then <laughs> it was like, shouting, and we were like, it was like a few moments of worry. Like, oh my god, is this what the game is going to look like?
0: Yeah.
1: But it's like we this time, unlike Porto, where I felt like I said we didn't respond to like what was considered a foul quick enough in that game. In this game, we responded quickly to the fact that they were tripling up on yeah. them, and it felt like I've not seen them that often. Both of them going in and out and just basically trying to like
0: make themselves a nuisance, right? And then you have a. I think we've been doing it. Uh, consistently sit but well, not consistently it's been two games but I think West Ham and Burnley was like that's what I spoke about on the solo reviews I did on that game like you may not mm-hmm. have seen it or listened but like that the massive tweak I've seen was the inversion of white and the knock-on impact that then has because like so mm-hmm. what you described there about the kind of fluidity right so if you if you visualize this like you've got three lanes there's the kind of the first lane which is like the interior then there's the lane which is the half space then there's the lane which is whoever keeps the width and i think this is what we're doing now it's sometimes white on the interior odegaard half space sacker wide it's sometimes odegaard interior sacker half space white wide it's like and that's what you're saying like you're and it's less
1: predictable right i but think the, the structure you, you said is it the better, same
0: yeah the structure is the same but the profiles that operate within that structure are all different. And that's what confuses them. And I, I think it's genius. I, so I the really position's still always so the
1: same. There's always yeah. someone on the exterior, half space and interior. But because they're moving and they all have different skill sets, depending on which one's there, right, the defensive team will just be thrown. Like just for exactly. a moment, they're like expecting like an Odegaard cross. Next thing you know, it's Saka or White.
0: Yeah, yeah and like, this what? is the,
1: when did he pop up yeah, yeah. Like, what the
0: fuck? <laughs> and that's what i find the beauty in it is like if saka's getting double tripled up on and he goes into the half space then odegaard goes into that double pivot white's holding the width they don't need and they don't perceive to want two three people on white so saka goes inside then there's space for white and it, it's so smart and then white gets doing. the
1: ball then they try to go to white and then now saka's left alone yeah and it's just like they're
0: it's like, what's the purpose and objective of doing this? It's always overloads, right? It's always trying to have that man advantage. And this is where, like, you, you again spoke about Raya feeling like we have an extra person on the pitch. It's because the overloads we create, although it's so smart, man. Honestly, I, I think this is genuinely... It's just beautiful, like, honestly. Just I've a never seen at watch. Arsenal Football Club. Yeah, It's but, such a joy to watch, man. Yeah, so, so then we went in
1: at time, obviously at 2-0. Did you think the game was kind of won at that stage? Of course you worried? I did, yeah. I it was a piece of... Yeah, we cause... went
0: we went and had a beer. Of course I did. <laughs> yeah, they
1: talk about 2-0 as a dangerous scoreline and all uh, that, but nah, I, didn't I didn't feel, feel like that. I sport. felt fine, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, then there was a
1: substitution.
0: After... Yeah, but just well, even like... before that, after yeah. the second goal, there were still a couple chances. Like, you see on the graph, like, look at the XG from the second goal until half-time. There's, like, mm. a couple big spikes in there. So there were some
1: moments, yeah. It's
0: like, yeah, we were still creating. And I can't remember if Havertz is one fell in that period um but yeah and then you were saying about the changes right yeah so about 65 minutes
1: in obviously Martinelli came off for Trossard I thought that was fair enough um I, I kind of felt like that was like a early move to protect Martinelli to okay. keep him for the next game um Do I just feel like he's yeah I feel like even though it's he nine days but that's what I mean so it's almost like why would you take him off he just played a full 90 otherwise right if if there's such a long rest. Um, yeah. Like, I can't, like I, I can't see a world in which he's subbed and then, like, oh, he's then on the bench in nine days.
0: I almost I guess feel he did like.
1: played the full game in Porto, didn't he? I think it's the three days in the last seven weeks, yeah. right? The seven days, sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, good it, point. It's just like, it felt like that was good to protect him. And then then we obviously got two more goals in a quick flurry. I know they made some changes at this stage. So, when we brought on Trossard, they brought on Jacob Murphy for Elmeron. they brought on Harvey Barnes for Isaac. So, yeah. you know, I really like his act, but again, I felt like they handled him very well. There was one opportunity he created nicely for himself, but apart yeah. from that, there wasn't really much going on, and I think I put that down to kind of us being great rather than them being bad. I, I do yeah. feel over the last month, like, a lot of the talk has been that, like, oh, Arsenal are playing teams that are playing badly, but it's like, there's no credit being given. It's like, why <laughs> all of them are being made to play badly, like... You know, every single one of them is played poorly, including Liverpool. So, yeah, you know, there must be something in it that we're also doing right. But God forbid people give any credit. So, yeah, legit. Once those changes were made, obviously, like a minute later, then so then so the subs were made. I thought maybe there's gonna be like a new tactical shift. Next thing you know, this time Kai's the one assisting to Saka, yeah. and that Saka goal. I just for watching that live and from the yeah. bird's eye angle, and it was on our side of the pitch yeah. as well because they switched sides, right? So we're like right there. Above the goal, looking at it, and I just there was no part of me that thought he would shoot from there. It was like nah, same how Odegaard was you? there was so many and there were so many players in the way and like it was just such a busy box, right and when he took the shot, it just felt like I was watching in slow motion, like watching just roll past everyone all the way to the far post and I was like Oh, yeah, you are something, man. You are something—the <laughs> the audacity to take these kind of shots, week in, week out. The fact that you actually find him the bloody back of the net. But um, yeah, that that was um the reason I want to call that goal out, especially is I believe that was his fifth game in a row now in the Prem where he scored, Damn. and the last Arsenal player to do that was nine years ago. So who was? It's that? been a long time. I nice. imagine it probably nine. was, yeah, or someone like him or Walcott, maybe. Okay. It will be one of the old Giroux, maybe even. It's been a long time. Yeah, so yeah, no one has scored for us in the Prem five games in a row. Nine years. and Not world-class. who did it. <laughs> yeah, but they, they, I saw the interview with him as well about like, how like, oh, well, like, are you world-class kind of thing. Uh, I've not seen like,
0: this. Yeah, well, when they
1: said to him, oh, did you see the interview? My man said you're not world-class or something. And then he was just like, no comment. And he was like, I just got all be better every day and work on like winning games. And he didn't give a shit about the label. Yeah. He, was, he was just that like, focused on every day got to be better, every day got to learn, every day got to improve. The mentality on him is um, why he's even in these conversations, I think. But, you know, I just love the boy and he's another one where, similar to what you said about how happy you were for Havertz to score, I know Saka scores a lot more than Havertz does, but every time Saka scores, it's like, it, I think we all say it, right? He's like our son. Like, he's like every Arsenal fan's son. Like, I just I just want him to go on to win everything with us. Yeah. Like, I love the kids so much. Um, for me, he has been carrying this team on his back for years while we waited to build a like, a structure. He's like yeah. one of the main constants that's been there in this entire... I think it's felt. just
0: like he's, he was one of the key performers and standout players when we were shit. And he's still one of the key players standout performers in like one of the elite teams in world football like how do you have that level of consistency from the age of 19 through to what is he now 21 22 like it's 22, yeah. it's frightening uh yeah he's unbelievable and yeah that once that so went, he's, it, it was he's already con- matched
1: um so, so i think this is the one thing you know just one thing i want to touch on so everyone talks about oh you know we said we had a young squad for a few years I had a friend asking me, like, oh, you know, do you think you can win the title this year? Or are you going to say that you've got a young squad so you've still got loads of time to do it? It doesn't matter. And I was like, look, like, I've used the young squad line before. I feel like now they've grown together into men and they're experienced together. So they're young still, but they're experienced young professionals. Like, yeah. the number of minutes some of these guys have played, like Saka, they're already breaking records for minutes in consecutive Prem games for the club at 22, right? So I was like, I wouldn't call them young in that sense anymore. But they are still very young. But what I want to just put out there is what made me feel really strong about this club now going forwards is Odegaard, they were talking to him and they were basically telling him, like, yeah, like, you've now matched Mikel Arteta's appearances for Arsenal. Has he? Yeah. And like, and this is what I mean, and like, man like Saka, like, he's already in like the top 10 assists for the club. Like, by the end of the season, he'll probably be like sixth or fifth. And like, I'm looking at these guys and I'm like, wait a second, like, every single one of you, like, You're like literally like just on the door of your prime age. You're not even like there yet, but you're already like. When I, I just can't comprehend. But like the sheer experience you have is the level of like Arteta when he was club captain, or like you got the same number of assists as that Messi Ozo who was like our Galactico fucking signing. Like, and I'm like, wait, but how? Like, it just doesn't comprehend. How can Odegaard have already played as many games as Mikel? how like how are these young players suddenly secretly in the background going like even Saliba now he must be like 100 games in yeah
0: it's uh, it's mad to think oh, so what I'm honestly achieve shocked. if they stay like if they if they're one club men like mm. it is mad to think what they can achieve but, but that's yeah, what anyway, i mean because you can think they'll be here in
1: like 4 or 5 years still and yet they're already like basically matching like the appearances or goals or assists of people who were here like
0: until they retired yeah I know, crazy. So that's yeah, so scary. For him. He, but yeah, he obviously made it free. And then Jacob gets his, is that his first goal? Kivio? First goal for the Arsenal? I think it's his second goal. He's oh, is it scored second? two goals now in the Prem. Yeah, what yeah. Was the one? I, my mind's gone blank on what I'm the other one I'm not sure which
1: game it was he scored in, but um, he definitely got another goal for us because I saw it. What was that last season? No, no, I think it was this season. Um,
0: so this season, I'm, pretty I'm sure, sure that's his, first, well, it says here Premier League 23 24, one goal. Um, so maybe it was last season, yeah. But you're right. In his senior career, it says he scored two goals for Arsenal. So maybe it was last season. Yeah, but I'm yeah, fair play, the yeah. first one this season. And uh, yeah, I think it's nice. Like He's obviously been playing very well this calendar year. And it's always nice to chip in with a goal. And Nicholas Jova must be <laughs> like, on cloud <laughs> nights. Nice. Another, another set piece. And yeah, and then once it was 4-0, it was just carnival, right? And then unfortunately... Yeah, that was when it was full party, man. <laughs> Willock did get a goal and uh, I've always had a soft spot for Willock so I didn't care too much but obviously it was a shame we didn't get a clean sheet but yeah, Smith Rowe nearly had one right at the death
1: Bro, I feel like fuck Sigmund, this brother bro like every game someone decides to find a way to stop the guy from scoring like it just I'm waiting for that moment more than anything I mean, we spoke about it on the day but we were both like We've been waiting so long that I feel like I've got grey hairs in the time I'm waiting for him (laughs) to score a fucking Premier League goal. And I just, he's another one like Saka, where he's like, he was the beginning of this revival under Arteta. And it just, it just feels like we've not really seen him since. And I really hope he's not going to go this summer, but you've got to kind of make the money on the homegrown talent if you're not going to use them much, right? So I just, I'd love to see what we do, but. I just, I really want him to stay and I want him to continue to trot on from where he had before. But yeah, I, I just, I just feel bad because I feel like he looks great when he comes on. That's yeah. what I'm getting at. And like, yet yeah, somehow always every opponent in the last few games has found a way to stop him. But it feels like it's coming and it's coming. it, it will hit, it will hit like crack when, if he scores the winner against Man City at the Etihad, I'll
0: tell you that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a well. I, I doubt it will get minutes in that game, to be honest. But like, you look at Sheffield United away, Brentford at home. I think that's games where you bring in the likes of Zinchenko, Party, Jesus to the squad, and then suddenly you're looking at like, can the team that starts the game get it done and won, and then like flex the squad and and, and that's throw I, everyone on. I can see, I can see Smith Rowe getting a start at Brentford at home. I really can see mm-hmm. that, um, especially because Porto, I think, is that weak. Um, so yeah I think it's coming for him though but yeah let's keep it moving so uh just quickly I'm not going to spend too long on this but for the people on the podcast I've got on the screen the passing networks from Mark R. stats and uh you can see like our structure is so impressive like Jorginho really is the hub but this is what I mean about Newcastle's like structurally they were impressive and I think they it's good what I describe about our positional rotation within our structures that's what frozen because that's a work of art their structure <laughs> like in terms of the spacing and everything um i think if you could literally design how a team is going to set up structurally it would be that so i thought like fair play their structure was good but it just shows the level we're playing at to completely dismantle them to the point where they didn't get a sniff uh i just,
1: just got... one thing on that before you go for, for the podcast listeners can't see um I think I just find this interesting here when you see like how central to everything Georginio was. Because I think we got a shout out. It was a man in the match display. Like, this well, was very
0: much. Let's go straight on to it then. So I've got this graphic from Mark R. Stats oh, and it's pull yeah. progression, pass and carry. And uh, for the podcast listeners, there's an X axis that is progression via passing, and there's a Y axis, which is progression via carry. And if you imagine the graph in the top right hand corner, top right hand corner, sorry, top for both metrics. Jorginho out on an island oh. on his own, but wow, both passing and carries, which surprised me. But that, yeah, you're right, man of the match performance. And to just add to that as well, this one: so Jorginho versus Newcastle using Marcar stats, successful pass is 91, progression via pass 5.91, progression via carry two, pass attempts 103. Uh, I said completed passes 91. Uh, progression received 4.18. He he was just controlling the tempo of the game. Uh, And to add to that, Pontus said, Jorginho and Rice managed to always have so much time on the ball, which made Odegaard, Saka, etc. just focus on being available between the lines. And yeah, I think like you just touched on as well, Jorginho felt like the central hub of that man of the match performance. And this is why I just look at it like Porto away felt like a Jorginho game. I I will still stand Mm. by that. I think we could have won this game without him, personally.
1: Yeah, I think it must be. I think we were talking about this on the
0: night, but it has to be
1: to do with his foot. Like, I just That's don't see Pontus why he wouldn't have well, played. Yeah. yeah, I think it was Pontus said it to us last show. And I just can't imagine any other reason. Not after seeing that performance. <laughs> I'm like, this guy's like, key for us in a game like that away at Porto like it just seems so obvious so I, I do someone think it else, has to be knock related.
0: someone else made a really good point um Hedgehog at uh, Hedgehog FPL who I've mentioned before he said like in the league you can't afford to lose right whereas Champions League it's over two legs that you can afford to lose and then try and rectify it and that's Pontus up oh, sorry Hedgehog was saying he almost thinks like it was a conscious choice to save Jorginho for this game and just Porto try and go and do it in the first leg. And see if we can do it without, up. yeah. Yeah so um, I can see that logic as well but I still personally think we would have been all right without him but no point dwelling on it, it's happened now but man of the match performance and he again it's like you, you speak about profiles in our squad right and he's touched on it with Havertz, it's, it's again it's there's certain profiles that we can just roll out now for certain game states. And this is, it's like we've got a toolbox of just different weapons. And you add in Zinchenko coming back, who I know has been displaced by a lot of Arsenal fans, but he's still got a, pl- a place in certain game states. Place. Yeah. Party coming back, Timber, Jesus. Like we've got, it's like we've got plans A, B, C, D, E, F now, which like it's. So new to me, and uh, it's really exciting. It's so it's so exciting welcome. Video.
1: We've needed and wanted something like this for years. It felt like we always had the same predictable eleven. Like last season, I think you yeah. struggled to like even the last two seasons. It was always like, oh, is it going to be Tierney? Is it going to be Zinchenko? Is it going to be Tomiyasu? Is it going to be Ben White? Oh, is it going to be Martinelli? Is it going to be Trossard? Like, is it going to be Smith Rowe? Is it going to be Martinelli? Like. That was it. It was always just like like for like Swaps in every position. It was yeah. there was never like, oh, we're going to change the entire system or we're going to roll out against the uh, Klopp with a four-two-two-two-two with three tens yeah. tens and like, like we're just doing shit. Like, oh, we're going to invert Benoit. Like that unpredictability. Like we have severely been lacking it for years, and I'm so pleased to see it
0: now. I'm so happy. Yeah, and just uh, final slide. I've got on before we I think we're okay for questions if any of the guys want to chuck in a couple of questions and then we'll go back to what you were saying about the kind of title race and city Liverpool yeah. Arsenal but the stat I've got sorry not stat the graph I've got on here is again from Mark our stats so we uh, really need to try and buy this guy a drink <laughs> but yeah. yeah um it's defensive quality in the big five leagues right uh, and again x-axis is the opposition's deep entries and the y-axis is the opposi- opposition's penalty box shots. And out on top uh, for opposition's penalty box shots is Arsenal, top right. And looks like we're second for deep entries, uh, second to Leverkusen. And, but basically, the message is we are the best defensive start side statistically based on these metrics in Europe, all big five leagues. Like, wow and I wanted to bring that up because I we spoke a little bit about the defense we've spoken about our pressing how we nullify teams like when you see it on a graphic like this with the European elites and you see Arsenal there like to me this is surreal like we are an elite football club and it's a shame the first leg happened like that against Porto but we've got the second leg to rectify and I think I still feel like we can go on and shock people in Europe because I still think the general narrative and perception around Arsenal hasn't caught up with what the data showing, and I think this is our chance to actually show it.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad you pulled this up. I think I
0: had seen this a few days ago, and I remember it really
1: like caught my eye as I was scrolling the time, and I was like, "Oh, damn!" Like I knew we were the best defensive team in England, but wow, like I had no idea across the whole of Europe, all the big leagues. That's pretty yeah. intense. And uh, hello to William as well. Thank you for tuning in. But I'm hey, we actually just I about to you. jump out, but um, glad that you managed to tune in
0: live just for the end. Um, lovely to Did see you. Did you want to finish what you were talking about earlier, or do you want to leave it? Because obviously I feel like I cut you off earlier.
1: No. So, so I think it was it was just really to say that I felt we were the most solid of this three going into this run in, especially defensively. And I felt that Liverpool had kind of been overperforming their expected goals conceded. So yeah. like it was the likes of Allison at the time who were like a key part of that. Word now seems to be that both Allison and Trent may not be seen before the March International break. When do they Graven Birch has now gone off injured as well in like a week? Like literally Damn. two weeks from now. So none of these players are gonna be back. Like what do we Salas want in that? we up. want a draw, right? I think so, yeah, because they're both so close to us that I think either one of them getting three points is not great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's I, I don't like think well. it is.
1: Because imagine, like, say, like Liverpool gets three points against City, and then gets three points, so and then and then City gets three points against us or something. Then that means both of them got three points, and we got zero in that. Yeah. Whereas, like, I'd rather like they're getting one each, and then like we try and draw against City or beat them at the Etihad or whatever. But I think for us, the most important thing is we need to win everything up before City. Yeah. Including the Chelsea game, we need to win all these games now in the league. We have to win.
0: That um, could obviously get moved if, um, if Chelsea lose in the cup, right? Which, against, I don't think That's is out of the question. Likely. Considering well, I hope
1: they get lose, just so that I can have my off. <laughs> what did you say? I, I hope they get lose. <laughs> I hope they lose. Yeah, yeah I hope they bloody lose. Like, I'm, I just, like, I wasn't, you know, yesterday, I didn't know what I wanted. Like, I really like Klopp, so part of me was like, I okay, fair that. play, let him have his. I was like, who do I hate more? Annoying, like. Biased Liverpool fans who are bitter that we beat them and are getting fed propaganda by Carragher in the press or Chelsea. And I was like, nah, Chelsea. I was like, no matter how much suffering they get, more is always better. And I was like, you know what? Losing like that in the 117th minute or whatever the fuck it was, I was like, good, good, yeah, good. You guys go there and send on your 300 million pound signings. Did you hear Gary from comment? Yeah, but the blue the blue billion pound bottle job. That
0: was hilarious, man. Oh but they asked Poch about it. Padem. They
1: asked Poch about it.
0: What did he say? I've not seen any of that.
1: He was like, Oh, you know, like he's a friend of mine, he's entitled to his opinion. Uh, like our average ages of our teams were the same or Uh, some bollocks. And then he was like, look at Liverpool. They were losing games when the clock first arrived, and then they were patient. And four years later, look what they were. Every one of these fucking dead managers, like Ten Hag and Poch, they're just there talking about every other club, right? No one's taking accountability for shit. I'm looking at videos of when we were on massive losing streaks with Arteta, and he's just like, he's taking it all on himself. It's all my fucking fault. It's all on me. I fucked up. God forbid these older men who've been in management for so long have the capacity and grace to just take some fucking accountability. Yeah. For them and this is what it thing.
0: annoys me when people, because like neutrals hate Arteta, right? And like a lot of people say to me, like even some of my friends are like, oh, why does Arteta never credit the opposition when you guys lose? And I say, when we deserve to lose, he does. But I think we're just at a level now where we play so well that it's not often we actually deserve to lose. We just get variants. But you look back to games against Liverpool and stuff and he said, like, the gap is enormous. They're better than us. And I think that's what annoys me. But I just want to add my two pence on the title race, if you don't mind as well. Cause yeah, yeah, of course. For me, Liverpool have the easiest run, fixtures-wise. And this I just look at it as, like, if they come out after their City game, and let's just say they've won that, then yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck. Because even with injuries, I think they'll have enough to beat the rest of the teams that they've got. I still think, even though i I'll say it, I still don't think this city team is the best version that we've seen, and I still think you can get some joy against them. I think they look quite vulnerable to direct transitions once you get in behind their midfield and central areas. I think their defense is slow if you can isolate them. I genuinely think we're the best team, and like I know people say about our running. Like We do have Tottenham away, Man United away. Like You never know what... For, as much as we shit on Man United, they have been in a good run of fame before Fulham, right? Like, so you never know what yeah. version we'll be playing penultimate game of the season. But where I'm going, though, is I still... I back this team to beat everyone right now when they're playing like this. And I back our manager to find solutions to every anticipated problem as well. Like the The, the way we're playing right now is a level I don't think I've seen from us ever to be honest. Uh, so my thing is more just like, I really hope we don't come back to rue those dropped points against Fulham, West Ham, like that bad patch. No, I, I think the best
1: is yet to come. So I think for me, just on uh, Liverpool, I think you're right. If they beat City at home, that isn't great. The, the games after that look pretty good for them. There are a few moments though, where I think they could continue to drop points if they don't beat okay. City. So they've got right, Old I'll Trafford be. away in uh, oh, April. Yeah, and that's um, yeah. So they got Old Trafford away in April. They have Tottenham at Anfield, but you never know with Tottenham which one will turn up as well. Yeah, um, they got Villa away. The penultimate game scene. So, on... so, so what I was going to say is, I thought obviously Tottenham plays all three of us still. Like they play Liverpool. City yeah, they're
0: going to have a play a hand to play. In yeah, this. so so
1: Tottenham's definitely going to have the hands playing this. But Villa, I hadn't considered it, but they also play all of us. And I think it is actually good for us if Villa can continue in good form because we want a good Villa because they're one of the few teams who will play everyone still. And I reckon Liverpool away at Villa on the penultimate game, we're going to be away at Old Trafford that same weekend. That could be a swing. That weekend. could be the weekend where it's like the tide turns or like. You know, there could be like a six-point swing that weekend for one of the two of these teams, and I don't know which one. So it scares me a little bit. In terms of a Man City, just looking at them, obviously they got Liverpool away, they've got us at the Etihad. That's
0: going to be huge when we go to the Etihad.
1: Yeah, then they have Villa at home after us, and they have Tottenham away. So this is the thing. I'd actually argue that City's toughest run is now. It's the next five games. It's Man United home, Liverpool away. Brighton away Arsenal home Villa home
0: and after that's why that, I, like, I think
1: they're home, home free freezy. so if they can get through this tough period these four or five games we're in trouble yeah. like we need them that because the rest of the running their game is one tough game after that
0: like when I say I think they can be got at it's in that period there I think there's enough mm. teams that can cause them problems based on the specific areas I mentioned so we just have to hope that they do just one final question before we get out of here um William, about the mid-block, how true do you think it is when people say it counters us? I don't fully understand the question. I don't know if you do, but I don't want to. So literally... I think
1: it's just people are convinced that like the way to get at us is to like have eleven men behind the ball and I guess aggressively press us and don't give us time on the ball. Don't let us make any. So I think it's just kind of like don't let us play football, basically like super okay. disruptive block. Like what we saw against Porto, right? Like that, or, yeah. or the Newcastle. Not this season, but when we're talking about. How they created that 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 blueprint Newcastle created and then Porto executed. I think that's what we're talking about. Like, yeah, where it just feels like, how do we get through this team? Like, so they
0: just. I, I personally think we've already found the solution. I think Porto was an off day, but again, this is what I've been saying. Like, we Forest away was the last game. I'd say aesthetically, I saw us struggle other than Porto. What did we do against West Ham and Burnley? We tweaked things, right? And you know the positional rotate, like William, I I know you you tuned in a bit later actually. If you rewind to, I can't even remember what time it is. I'll repeat myself just um, for the sake of this, but what we're doing now is we've got three lanes. One's the interior, one's the half space, one's on the width, uh, one's wide. And it's either white, Odegaard, Saka in that order, or Odegaard to central, uh, Saka half space, white, wide. And that's what we're doing. We're confusing teams by positional fluidity within a structure now. And so in terms of mid-blocks, sure, Porto away managed it. But I think it was a combination of, I think we shat the bed as well. And I think the occasion got to the players and I think they were disrupting our flow. I don't think many Premier League teams will be able to replicate it. And I think we've already found a solution to it. So. I personally am not concerned about. I feel very... This is the first time this season I feel very comfortable that even if we play a deep block, we'll find a comfortable way of breaking it down. It's the first time I've got to that. Yeah.
1: I I think for me, what I would say um, just on that, Williams, the last thought is that I feel like these teams, like they all do it now. So I don't think it's even just that like there are like only certain teams who want to deploy a back five against us or sit deep. Um, I feel like everyone we're talking even clubs who would never do this and will always play on the front foot when they play us they'll play deep and i think the data showed that we face the deepest blocks in europe this season on average in the entire top five leagues so there's something in it and that's just i think i don't necessarily say that it's that it counters us i think no one wants to play this arsenal and play football against them
0: yeah that's how good
1: they've become that that i think it's just a testament to who we are it's not that it's a counter to us it's It's the only way people can play is to line up with their lives on the line at the back. Like, they don't
0: know what else to do apart from pray for it. And I think there's also the, like, we kind of force them into that position as well, because how good we are, we progress the ball up. And, like, we joke about Phil Till FC, but it's because as soon as teams get the ball, our out-of-possession structure is so good that they can't even, I think even if they want to play, it's quite rare that they're able to, so I think it's an element of both. But obviously, William speaks about. I've, I made a mistake. You said mid block, not deep block. Yeah, so mid, even yeah, even, even mid blocks, though. Like I think we we're. This is the most impressive thing about Arteta for me is his ability to learn, adapt, and find a new solution. I, I think that's one of his most impressive traits, and that's what I think he's already found uh, with these tactical tweaks. Obviously, part of it is. Zinchenko's not been available but you still have to put in a new plan and execute it and i think we've done that fantastically 100%.
1: yeah just a couple more shout outs oh, before we go clayton quick one so then we said hi to william already but a big shout yeah. out as well to cassie rye william watching from uganda much love to you all great channel let's get the likes up mates ah, so too, yeah man. thank you for uh plugging the likes for us we're 57 minutes in and if you did enjoy this show this is the first time we're actually asking you to please do hit that like button and um subscribe so you can keep in touch and obviously keep watching all the episodes coming out and um, hopefully there's something exciting happening on wednesday that we'll hopefully be able to tell you about by I then about
0: that yes yeah. yeah, <laughs> so, so, so yeah I so know. i
1: tell you the details but i think it's 1 p.m now rather than 2 p.m but uh okay. yeah we won't jinx That's it fine. just in case but um once we know for certain guys we'll put a tweet out from the arsenal bias podcast channel because there's a chance that we're going to be on a special episode of the breakdown. So, obviously, we went there earlier this season for the Champions League um, when Adrian was hosting it, Adrian Clark. And, um, you know, it was a great day. And we watched it live in the box with the Arsenal at the Emirates. And, you know, it was four or five goals in the first half. And we managed to ask some questions as well as part of the live show. So, they're going to be doing a special version of the breakdown live that's not on a match day this Wednesday for about 45 minutes at 1 p.m. UK. So, hopefully, um, if we can confirm that we're definitely on it we'll put a tweet out and yeah guys like definitely go on arsenal.com or the arsenal app and keep a lookout for us on there because i think the special episode should be quite a fun one and um, i don't want to spoil it so i won't say what it is but it's, it should be fun and again this wouldn't be possible without all of your support and all of you recommending us to the official club and telling them that you like the content here at arsenal bites has podcast so honestly without all your support and love and shout outs i don't think we'd be getting these opportunities these um kind of surreal once in a lifetime opportunities to take part in official Arsenal club um, events and streams and match day experiences so honestly you guys have made our dreams come true and on to 300 subscribers the road to 300 begins
0: yeah nicely said yeah just echo what Nima said thanks as always for the support we're like we never take it for granted it means a lot um like when you're a small channel like us and you're just plodding away sometimes it's it's really nice seeing a lot of like familiar faces and the odd new one as well so thanks as always for the support uh we'll be back to preview sheffield united later in the week uh yeah that's everything for me you got any more
1: no no, that's it come on you gunners have a great week ahead guys enjoy it let's go